Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful in oil country and around the world. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. I'm feeling a little bad, Bruce. I didn't wish you either St. Patrick's Day yesterday or... Happy inoculation day for you and your wife, I understand, oh, was yes. yesterday. It was uh, actually Tuesday, but yes. Oh, Tuesday. We had, the, we had the first shot done right up here, and I got a little bit of a sore arm to show for it. And well, today I'm kind of off my game a little bit, but uh, uh, so were the Oilers, and they came through, and I think I will too. Good stuff. <laughs> it was a two-to-one victory for the Edmonton Oilers, Bruce. It was, I felt, a strangely unsatisfying game. Usually when the Oilers win, I'm kind of elated, but it was, uh, it was that game was as, about as flat as a glass of pop that sat out overnight. It was a defensive struggle, extraordinaire, if you want to put a bright cast on it. But we had another first period, Bruce, where there was no grade-A chances, and this was the fewest grade-A chances we've seen in a game this year, I believe, maybe maybe the winner. There was an Ottawa game. Ottawa game. This, it was the same. Okay, this was seven seven. The Grade A yeah. chances. So a very tight fought game. Maybe this is what the rest of the NHL has been seeing all year, like these kind of low scoring, more tight played games, and we've been spared this kind of thing, fortunately. But both games were both teams are just trapping the hell out of each other. There wasn't much of a forecheck. I I didn't think for either team, and. Um, yeah, it was not a beauty, Bruce. No. You know how it would have been a lot uglier, though? <laughs> if, you, if you had been great. <laughs> you had the one instead of the two, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I would Sorry. happily grade that game. Win. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so now you're up to eight and two. Tied with Kurt. <laughs> I'm tied with Kurt. Oh, yeah. All right. This is our uh, Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast. And because um, because uh, the order's one, we'll go with two good things each. Bruce, why don't I start it off? Because my good thing really is the headline on okay. this game. Um, Connor McDavid, the owners only had seven grade A scoring chances, but McDavid was in on six of them. Wow. And he drove the play on almost all of them. Uh, his two goals were fantastic, Bruce. And I, I, you know, one of his secret superpowers is he has laser guidance and he laser guided both of those shots into the net. I mean, they weren't from exactly the most choice, um, shooting spots. They were good shooting spots, but not great ones, but he, he just made absolutely brilliant shots on both plays, uh, to score, uh, those two goals. Um, I noticed that the, in the first period burst, the checking was so tight in this game that even Connor McDavid at the end of the first period dumped the puck in. And I don't, I don't know how often I've seen that happen, but he did it. And it was on a dump in play actually that he got his first goal with nurse dumping the puck in and he, him picking it up off his skate Mm -hmm. onto his hockey stick and into the net. Um, he set up, uh, Josh Archibald for an absolute screamer of a chance late in the second period. Uh, he set up, yes, a Puglia Yarvi for a, a nice uh, grade-A chance in the second period. 
so he was uh he got the highest mark he and ethan bear although i I admit i bumped up ethan bear's mark by one full grade because he shot the puck (laughs) into uh neil pionk in a choice spot um (laughs) i liked that a lot lots of ways to get a plus one in our system eh david there are or minus one there's only certain players. I actually have a huge amount of respect for Neil Pionk. He's an too. incredibly annoying, pesky hockey player. But is he ever good? Mm. He is a fantastic defenseman. And mm. uh, the Jets made a hell of a trade there. They were. Chris, what's your good thing? Uh, well, my first good thing is I'm going to go with the defense pair of Chris Russell and Ethan Bear. Uh, they didn't get a whole lot done creatively, but this wasn't a real creative kind of game. This was a shutdown kind of game. And I loved how those guys ground and fought and battled and shut down the play in the uh, Oilers' territory and got the puck out in our Oilers' territory. And, I mean, this is, this is kind of classic Chris Russell, where on his watch, the Corsi was 13 for Edmonton and 18 for Winnipeg. I mean, the puck was in Edmonton's end a fair bit, but actual shots on goal were 9-5 to five for Edmonton. And that's because Winnipeg shots weren't getting through. They were missing the net, they were getting blocked. Russell blocked for himself. Uh, and uh, uh, they were just, you know, they had no sort of free space. And I loved Ethan Bear's work along the boards. I loved how he, how he uh, button-hooked his way out of trouble a couple times. That was a patented move he used a lot last year, and we haven't seen so much where he does this sudden quick turn and he's just out, the four checkers gone right by the other side of him and he's got that extra second to make his pass. And uh, and he did venture into uh, Winnipeg territory that one time. I thought he had a real good chance to score until uh, Pionk put his jockstrap in the way and made the stop. <laughs> so, but it, it was uh, not a good effort to... Uh, by both uh, Russell did have involvement in one order scoring chance with a real nice stretch pass yeah. that sent away uh, uh, Nuge and, and uh, McDavid late in the third period, and they had a pretty good chance. Uh, Nuge did, and both guys zero scoring chances against grade A scoring chances that we charged to them personally, and I just thought they uh, they filled their you know shutdown role really to a T. So hats off to Ethan yeah. and Chris. Two games in a row for Ethan Bear with mm-hmm. with no such mistakes after a pretty shaky start to the year. He and he and Russell are forming a mm-hmm. really strong partnership right now. Uh, so uh, Kay Rusty looks good, man. He looks he looks confident. You know when he has the puck. I mean, he he's uh, not never been the most creative player, but uh, uh, but he's winning his share of battles and. Uh, Coming away with the puck. I like Bears. Uh, again, he just like against Calgary, he's he's taking he's taking chances again. He's he's reading the game. He's moving in. He's prancing about, passing the puck well. That's the game. That's the Ethan Bear that we all you know really came to admire last year. And yes. great to see him over his was it was a concussion I believe, and mm-hmm. great to see him over that and and back playing his A game and not a moment too soon because <laughs> there was lots of debate over over that player, which should quiet down now with him playing well again. Bruce, my second good thing is a bounce in this game. 
and uh, it's it's the play where the puck was in the corner, Drysaddle and Larson kind of lost the battle, and it goes out, and Jones is kind of wandering about a little bit. Caleb Jones is wandering about, and Ar- Josh Archibald can't cover the cross scene pass that goes to um, Kyle Connor, and Kyle Connor puts it off the post. It was a, it was a the best probably. Well, they they had some pretty good chances. The Jets in that game, Miko Koskinen stopped six of seven grade A chances, which mm-hmm. is a good ratio, and he had a good game. Mm-hmm. But that one he did get beat on. He was going to get beat on, and uh, he probably get beat on. And Kyle Connor hit that post, and and it's funny these these kinds of games that are so tight, they really are decided by puck luck. Um, when the chances are so close, everything's so close. And if you, it's just one break that makes the difference. And the owners, they got it when, when he hit the post as opposed to scoring that goal. Well, he hit the post and then the puck bounced off the post and it hit Koskinen and it didn't go in. Yeah. You know, it got caught up and put Koskinen's pads and then Leon came and fished it out and lobbed it to safety. Two good but bounces. It was, uh, yeah, it easily could have been one of those ones. Hits the post, hits the goalie. Uh, winds up in the net anyway, but tough. Uh, yeah, those are so Koskinen hard. was due a good bounce after that friggin' scrum goal that uh, cost him in Vancouver the other night. So, give the big guy <laughs> give the big guy credit. I say, you know, in his last uh, four starts, he's had five goals of support from the Oilers. It's five, six goals of support, and he won two two games. He, he, this was a really good game from him, actually. He he, <laughs> he stopped everything. The one the goal that got by him was a five-alarm chance. It was, you know, deflected right in front of him. Oh, but just before that, he had he had stopped um, on uh, Matthew Perot on two chances mm-hmm. uh, right off the uh, face-off, I believe it was, mm-hmm. where Bear and, Barry and Nurse kind of got tangled up in each other. <laughs> Very yeah. weird play where they were both kind of at fault and, and they, they, they copped up the puck. But uh, yeah, Koskinen, the three-meter man, Bruce, he he came through. His save percentage, Bruce, is now 9.03, which is exactly the same as Jacob Markstrom's. Just Mark, just noting that, just for reference. Well, it was 9.60 tonight because he stopped 24 out of 25. That's a good night's work. That is indeed. You're, are you, are you, what are you, where are you, where are we now? You second good thing? Yeah, uh, yeah second, my good, second thing good thing. Yeah, I'm going to credit my old favorite, uh, Zach Cassian. Uh, come back and, and join the lineup the last uh, couple of days. I thought he was pretty good in Calgary last night, all things considered, considering he missed, what, five weeks, five plus weeks. And uh, tonight I thought he was also pretty good. And, you know, just skating and 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 getting involved physically, he had four hits in this game, uh, wasn't really uh, hugely involved in the offense. He had literally zero shot attempts in the game. But what he had was a, a crucial three-foot pass uh, in front of the bench that sent McDavid in down the wing, and uh, for the game-winning goal, where McDavid had the had the uh, two-on-one chance, and he looked off and did that thing he does, where he doesn't look at the net and he picks the corner, <laughs> and that happened just what 38 seconds after Winnipeg had tied it up. Very next shift, mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that happens to Edmonton far too often, as it did, in, for instance, on Monday in Calgary, where the Oilers tied it up and they and they blew the tie on the next shift. Well, this time they they turned the tables on Winnipeg 
And that that little short pass, I mean, Tyson Berry made a good play to get it up to Cassian, uh, but that good short pass that uh, Cassian made sprang McDavid through the neutral zone and in. And he's got a he's got funny hands, Cassian. He can make really good touches, and he's had a few assists over the years where he literally made a three or two foot pass, but he just chipped it into the path of of somebody good, usually McDavid because he's played a lot with him, of course, but uh, that's a good thing. Anybody can put the puck into the path of McDavid. It's okay in my books. And I just thought he added a, something to the to the bottom six that, uh, you know, was welcome. A big body, can move, take the body, get in the way, and he was good. The other thing he was good at, which he isn't always, was getting the puck out inside his own blue line. Alrighty, let's move on to bad things. Um, I'll start with uh, my, mine was Caleb Jones. I thought he was kind of shaky and iffy at times tonight. Uh, the first play that, that got my attention was the breakaway by Trevor Lewis. And um, for some reason, Jones had wandered fairly deep into the offensive zone. A- and it's not apparent to me why. And unfortunately, I think it's kind of typical of some of the mental errors that he's made this year. Um, he just seems to... Uh, not always make the right read, both in, in the offensive zone and the defensive zone. And I'll tell you what, that does not that's not going to endear him to this coach um, or, uh, you know, of any coaching staff that I've seen with the Oilers. The tippets, he likes it pretty buttoned down. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jones isn't really providing that. William Loggison deserved to come out after his last game. He had a pretty <clears> rough game. He did. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, though, what happens if Jones played well enough to to stick in. He was also on Kyle Connor's play, which I've already referred to. He was also right. kind of a little bit out of position, not making a play, unable to cut off the pass. So, um, and I also just noticed others moments where he wasn't top drawer. So I like the player. He can really move the puck. He can really skate um, at even strength. You know, he, he he's okay. He can be okay, but he's got to cut down on these defensive miscues because he and Tyson Berry are making the most on the team this year, and one of them isn't leading the league for defensemen in scoring. So um, if Jones wants to get in the, stay in the lineup, he's really got to focus on, the, on that de- defensive reads and, and probably just playing, focusing on playing a more conservative defensive game while relying on his strengths when it's time to move the puck. Right. So by making the most, you mean making the most defensive errors. I was thinking, wait a minute, he's not making the most. Nurse is making the most. <laughs> sure. That was in my head. <laughs> you're talking that, about, that, talking that was about in defensive my head, errors, it, right? I was thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, that was in my head, but it didn't come out of my mouth. Making the oh. most defensive miscues of anyone right. on Grady chances, which we track. He and Barry are in their own category. It's he caught my eye. Uh, Caleb caught my eye in a good way in a few shifts tonight. Uh, he does have those good wheels, you know, yeah. and every once in a while he just separates with the puck and it's an easy out. And the more he does that, the better. And, the, you know, it's, it's it needs to be um, sort of hardwired into his game to just consistently do that thing. Get As soon as you get the puck, take a step with it, take an elusive step with it, and then make your easy pass. And I uh, saw some of that tonight, but uh, like you say, there was the two... Two big mistakes. Luckily, it was Trevor Lewis on the breakaway as opposed to an actual goal scorer. Uh, yes. So that worked out well in the end. He almost lost the puck right through Koskinen's leg. So 
Um, and the other one, he just, you know, the passing lane was there and, you know, he had help. There was, there was, uh, or he had no help. It was a team breakdown, but he was part he of us. What's your bad thing, Bruce? Well, for all that he scored both Oilers' goals and he was first star tonight's game with a bullet, uh, I have to criticize Connor McDavid's egregious turnover uh, with about 40 seconds left in regulation time tonight when he got the puck deep in his own territory off a real smart short pass from Josh Archibald with room to clear the zone. And he decided the way he would clear the zone was to keep the puck and try and beat a guy one-on-one uh, when in that situation, and I mean, normally you trust Connor's instincts and his instincts are to, you know, beat the guy one-on-one, go down and score in the empty net. But in that situation, the play is make a safe, dump the puck into a safe place in the neutral zone and chase it there. And he had time to do that. And uh, I just thought it was a mental error followed by a physical, you know, it was a good play by, I think it was Pionk, who uh, closed in on him and, you know, and cut down his territory. But... I just didn't think it was a, a good, quick decision that was appropriate to the circumstances, which was a one-goal lead and 40 seconds left. It is defense, and geez, was it five seconds later that the pass came over to Shifley and he had the hole open side and the puck bounced over his stick? I mean, that was going in the net if the puck's on the ice. And I was just about losing it. He was thinking <laughs> goal, 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 goal. Yeah, like he, well, there's they, ways they to got score. that one taken away. His way to score often, and and uh, this was a perfect time for it. You know, you dump it off the wall, soft dump it off the wall in the neutral zone, and then you win the race to it. And, and if you know, I'm going to bet on Connor McDavid to win that race nine times out of ten. And if he doesn't win the race, well, they're re, re sort of uh, reorganizing on their own side of center. And if he does win it, well, uh, he can sit on the bench with a three-one lead for the rest of the night. But uh, taking chances inside the blue line like that. Yeah, so that's my bad thing. Sorry, Connor. Could have been really bad. Could have been. Could have been. Adam Larson Five blocked. seconds, man. Larson uh, blocked that shot. And the whole net, and then Larson blocked a pass that was going through to Stastny alone in front, and yeah, it was oh, it was Adam Larson, chaos. He came up big in those uh, in those final few seconds. All right, Bruce, uh, what's your number? Uh, I'm going to go tonight with the number of. Uh, 15 and 6 uh, for 71%. This was Leon Dreisaitl in the face-off circle tonight. Wow. Uh, this is this was not Leon's best game. I thought he came out slow and sluggish in the back-to-back after playing a monster game in Calgary last night. And he didn't really have it going on in, in the offensive game. And when he did have it going on, he passed to somebody who'd shoot and miss the net like Dominic Cahoon did on the two-on-one. I think Leon needs to bury the next one up. With the shot, anyway. Uh, but I thought defensively he was—he got more and more into the game and into the defensive side of the game. And a big part of it was the constant winning of these face-offs, where they'd line up. And I didn't actually look to see where all the zone draws were, but he'd line up in often in Edmonton's territory and uh, win the draw, and that'd be that. You know, they—they'd—they'd they'd get the puck and they—they'd they'd move it on out and. Uh, He's become uh, a very reliable face-off man for the Oilers, the best one they've got. And between him, 15 and 6, and McDavid, 11 and 9 for 55%, uh, 
the rest of the team combined only took 17 face-offs, so they each took more than a third. And uh, they uh, uh, got the job done, but he was the first. He was the first man on the uh, on the face-off. Took some on the penalty kill as well. I think he got a little bit more penalty killing duty than usual, and it was he got uh, almost half. I mean, there was only one penalty each team, but because yeah. they sent him out to take the face-off. Um, because I guess Kara wasn't available, and, and uh, you know they're down a down a couple of men tonight. Didn't have Yamamoto as a penalty killing option, so they yeah. uh, turned to Leon, and uh, he got the job done there as well. He was not involved in one Grady scoring chance for the Orders uh, this game, which oh, is rare, right? Obviously, yeah, yeah, he makes about five major contributions to Grady chances per game, and uh, second leading scorer in the NHL. So, well, yeah, pretty any rare. Any person would say that the Cahoon shot was a scoring chance, but because it was off the net, we don't read. Yeah. he. Uh, no, nothing that Leon did wrong. That pass was perfect. He's, yeah, and there might have been even another one like that. The Oilers missed the net a few times, uh, which is par for the course. Uh, Bruce, my number is 15. It's been 15 days since the Oilers last lost their third of three games to the Toronto Maple Leafs. At that point, they were 10 points behind the Toronto Maple Leafs in the standings. But in those 15 days, the Oilers have gone six and two, and they are now tied with the Leafs in the standings. Now, nice. the Leafs have uh, three games in hand, but I'll take the, you know, the cheap brag that the Oilers are now tied for first. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, no one, I, who would have guessed this? I don't think many people would have guessed this. I wouldn't have guessed this. But the Leafs have been losing, and the Oilers have been winning. So, uh, I mean, the Leafs just look so dominant in those three games, honestly. But um, Edmonton has come back and uh, had some good goaltending, some good, uh, you know, Tippett's made some good moves, putting together the, uh, you know, that power line for a while with Drysaddle, McDavid, and Yamamoto, and then turning away from it when it stopped working and... The defense have been playing very exceptionally well. Like the, lots of guys have been rounding into form, and we've seen strong defensive play from from the entire group. We've seen strong um, two way play from the third and fourth lines consistently. Something that we didn't have in the first month of the season. Those two lines are are getting it done. So um, not a bad team, the Edmonton Oilers, Bruce. Not a bad team. Yeah. Here's a breakdown, by the way, on uh, face-offs. Leon was 5 for 7 in the offensive zone, 9 out of 11 in the defensive zone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he took, uh, uh, I think, uh, close to half of the defensive zone face-offs, and he dominated them. So I think that was uh, that was uh, uh, a contributing factor anyway. When we did After we didn't... Recognize Leon's fantastic pass last night on the Cahoon goal. <laughs> which that Did game, we, we, didn't even, we didn't even mention McDavid or Drysaddle last night, who basically were the two of the three stars of the game. So <laughs> I thought, well, we probably better, even if it's for a less spectacular feat than that pass, which was just glorious. But um, there are different ways to help your team win, and uh, uh, Leon in kind of second fiddle role tonight, but, uh, but uh, he got the... Uh, job done on the dot uh, basically on the defensive side we're such de- hockey snobs bruce we can you know just we just overlook the good <laughs> the really it's great routine plays. it's routine right these boys do it every night 
<laughs> that was a uh, mistake on our part, I guess. Yeah, I well, say. I thought I listened to the podcast today, and didn't either one of us mention that that passed? Didn't we? I thought I thought we did in passing mention it, but maybe not. Yeah. Well, I think when I was complaining about the Calgary broadcast crew, uh, crew, I was talking about how the Oilers scored a great goal, and all I could do was was say Calgary was shooting themselves in the go. foot. We're but, covered off. Yeah, we're, we're covered. Covered off tonight, anyway. I thought I got got to get back to that pass. That was. Uh, that was so glorious. Alrighty, Bruce, we're heading we're heading into the stretch run of the season, aren't we? We're down to twenty one. Are we thirty three games? Yeah, twenty three more games. All right. So, and it seems like half of them are coming up in the next week. Holy <laughs> crap! If we play Winnipeg on Saturday, fly all the way to Montreal Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then on to Toronto Saturday, and Monday again. And so it's a, it's a run of seven straight games against the other three teams in playoff position. So this is a very serious test for the Oilers. It's the first one of those. We had a run of games against the bottom feeders, you know, Ottawa, Vancouver, Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't resist. But the three playoff teams are just a steady diet of them now for the next uh, next two weeks. And it's a critical part of the schedule for sure. You shouldn't resist. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this was the first of these seven games, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Two against Winnipeg, three in Montreal, two in Toronto. Wow. So good to get off with a win to start off. Because if if you can win four out of the seven, you count yourself lucky and and continue on for the rest of the season. Vancouver's coming on a little bit, so we'll see what happens there. That's why I was so agitated by those two consecutive one-goal losses to Vancouver and Calgary. You know, rather than separating, it was kind of muddling up the race, but to come back with two wins and two nights like they've done this week is uh, a great relief, to be honest. Calgary, 31 points, Vancouver, 32, Montreal, 34, Winnipeg, 38, Edmonton, 40, Toronto, 40. Alrighty, man, that would be fantastic, Bruce. Like, I, I, I hadn't even put it in my head. Like, I'm just, it's just kind of going through my mind now, like the Oilers tied for first, like this could, this could happen. The, it, you know, it's there's still a long way off because Toronto yeah. has the three games in hand. But the Oilers could finish first this year in this division. It's not out of the question at this point. So I wrote that back in September, I think, that I thought they had a shot. I was saying it then, Everybody too. Everybody conceded the division to Toronto. I didn't. I the Oilers had the best play. record last year of any team of oh, those. And I, yes. I said it on the radio. I think I probably said it on this podcast, you know, that I think they can take first. I didn't see why not. Why not? If they get goaltending, right? And they're, and um, it's the, the same continues on if they get goaltending because everything else is is turning out okay. I mean, I do think they're probably they're they're good goaltending and at least one elite forward away from being a real Stanley Cup contender. Now they could get that good goaltending from these two guys. It's unlikely, but they could get it. You never know. I think they do need another forward though if they're going to make a serious run in the playoffs. And I don't know if they're going to be able to make that kind of trade or, or if it's advisable. I, I'm, I'm of two minds on that. Alrighty. So our next game is Saturday. Saturday night, late game against uh, Winnipeg. And so it's the back end of this series. It's the third two-game series between these two teams. And the other two ended in splits. And essentially they were all one-goal games. There was an empty netter in one of them all regulation games. So tonight's game continued that trend. 
what it didn't continue was the trend of high-scoring games between these two. So we'll see what kind of a... I expected a little bit more explosive affair on Saturday night, to be honest. Yeah, it was kind of a... Like I was saying, a down, uh, you know, a downer of a game on a certain level. So it was, it was a tactical game. Lifeless. Like, I didn't think it was a bad hockey game, but it was, you know, it didn't have like lots of breathtaking moments. So you know, two goals by McDavid were both pretty nice. They sure were. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks for all your comments on uh, YouTube. Keep them coming. Indeed. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.